Welcome to Across the Pond, Marketing Transformed, a podcast that explores ways to transform your business and marketing strategy. Whether you're a rising star, entrepreneur, or experienced professional, a show packed with stories to inspire success and build a growth mindset for you and your company. Featuring global brand CMOs, transformation experts, and business founders, your co-hosts, Chris Lawson in London, UK, and Samuel Moni across the pond in Philadelphia, USA. Welcome to episode 31 of Across the Pond Marketing Transformed. My name is Chris Lawson in London, UK, and I'm joined by Samuel Moni on the east coast of the USA in Philadelphia. Say hello, Sam. Hey, Chris, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, thank you. Uh, still uh, still uh, under um, strange circumstances, but making the most of it and certainly very, very busy. Yeah, it's strange that uh, I'm in the same way, quite busy at the moment and keeping myself occupied and filling our brains with positive energy and content and material, crafting the shows for the audience. So another good one lined up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, certainly, certainly rich subject matter at the moment. Um, and we, we wanted to tackle a subject where um, it's, it's pretty much a... Uh, in line with the podcast itself, really, where marketing transformation is often associated with digital transformation and that's sort of seen as mm-hmm. a step change powered by technology. But I think sometimes in a, we, in a race to master that technology and see how it impacts our lives or our business goals, we overlook what is pretty much in front of us you know, with everyday marketing chat about algorithms, cloud solutions, AI. We forget that the one competitive advantage that we have is that we are humans. Mm-hmm. We can empathize. And as humans, mm-hmm. we seek out those that understand us and our needs. Yet, interestingly, yep. are we leveraging this enough? Um, and that's what we want to look at in this podcast. We look at brands that do it well, uh, whether that balance is right, and um, what we can learn. And Sam, you've got some data, haven't you, that brings that to life? Yeah. So the title of this episode is Human First, Digital Second. When I say human first, I really mean that we are feeling creatures that think and not thinking creatures that feel. Now, that's not a COVID-19 driven insight. It's not my own wisdom. It's from the work of psychologists and researchers in neuroscience that finds that 80% of of human decisions are made through the subconscious, through being intuitive, through our gut feeling, through the emotional part of the brain, i.e. the nonverbal parts. In other words, you come up with a decision or an answer before you often realize that you have. I think we've all had that feeling. Sometimes we know an answer to something, but I can't tell you why I know the answer in that moment. I just know that I know it, Mm. right? That means that only 20% of what we do or think comes through the subconscious, sorry, through the conscious part of the brain. Mm. Now, with that insight of how we think and how we make decisions and respond to the current changes going on and transformations happening in the world, I'm a little concerned with how that matches with the seismic shifts that are happening out there, especially in the world of marketing. As a tech becomes more and more part of the role of marketers in everyday life, we're all suddenly the ramp up curve. I've seen some data that shows the adoption of a lot of technology in the last few weeks has just significantly increased. And there's a a, a marketing technology leader called Scott Brinker at chiefmartech.com. A loud voice in the transformation space. And the overview 
of the marketing technology landscape is called the MarTech 5000. At the time of rec recording, it's actually around 7,000 different platforms, vendors and technology that exists. And he's actually crowdsourced updating it for, for this year. And so it's probably going to be nine or 10,000 or so, but it covers advertising, mobile display search, platforms, content, social and relationship tools and platforms, commerce and sales, data, the management of data space, all of that stuff. Mm. And if you can imagine what what's going on now, what's going to be coming on board be, beyond 2020, the point here is that it's become so complex for marketers and far, far too complicated for CMOs to wrap their arms around all of this stuff and all of this space. Yeah, absolutely. And we get we get a real sense of how CMOs are handling this via the CMO spend survey from Gartner over the past few years. Now, we know these numbers are going to change um, with the current sort of circumstances, but it, but it's a good benchmark. And, and, and also, I think it will be interesting to see how some of that adoption speeds up as well. But, but putting mm, that to one mm, side absolutely. for now, nearly a third of CMO budgets are allocated to marketing technology. And marketing technology, MarTech budgets continue that move forwards with, with no signs stopping, up from 22% of the budget in 2017, now accounts for about 29% of the total marketing budget, mm -hmm. uh, making it the largest area of investment. Um, and although marketing budgets remain steady despite the uncertain times ahead, and we aren't sure where those spends will return to, but I expect, Sam, is an increase in finding people to manage for tech rather than actually investing in the skilled resources themselves. Yeah, there's there's different schools of thoughts and it's definitely a challenge out there. You, you've you probably heard and the audience probably heard of Chris Penn and John Wall. They've been hosting the fabulous Marketing Over Coffee podcast for over a decade, wow. for quite a, a while. Time. I love that show. <laughs> Yeah, they, they, they're kind of pioneers in this space, so kudos to them. Uh, and they have a huge emphasis on marketing analytics and the data space. And there's a great framework from their company called Trust Insights. And you can find them at www.trustinsights.ai. So trustinsights.ai, and you can find out more about them. And this is an, a shameless plug. This is an unpaid plug. I'm just a huge fan of their work, by the way. Anyway, I was at a marketing technology conference about 18 months ago, and Chris Chris Payne gave the keynote on the future of digital and AI. And he was very clear on the limitations of the technology and the important role of humans. And the light bulb came on for me when he pointed out that getting the right governance in place is so critical for marketing technology. And basically, before you dive into the risk and the compliance and the operation and the strategies and ultimately the foundation of their framework is getting the humanity right. Getting the humanity right is about the change management and the programs and the training and everything that people need. It's about the human beings that you've got to focus on first. And I asked him to send me the slide because I had to basically change my presentation for the next day to reflect this thinking. And it's why I'm such a huge advocate for people first, for, for making people the, the starting point for marketing. Well, absolutely, Sam. I mean, you, you always champion the, the human side. And, and again, if we look back at that CMO study, um, there's some interesting stuff as you delve into the detail there. Email marketing, online content management, digital analytics. As you would Im imagine, they're the main things CMOs are investing mm -hmm. in in their tech budget. Meanwhile, 23% of budgets will go on agencies, but that's down um, from the year before. Mm -hmm. 
and MarTech will take 29% as we covered earlier on, um, while staff costs will account for 24% of the budgets and down again sort of, um, by three percentage mm-hmm. points according to that. So, so we do have this situation where on one side we're talking about um, an increased need to focus on the human factor, but the budgets just aren't mm-hmm. really reflecting it. Yeah. Chris, this is the the point I keep banging on about. CMOs are still spending more on the stuff than the people. The good news is that the gap is closing. So in the most recent survey data, again, spending 26% on the tech and 25% on the people from the Gartner survey. Okay, the gap is closing, but it's still not good enough as far as I'm concerned. Mm. I'm going to continue to make the plea. But the promising aspect then, just to be a bit more positive, is that there still remains a pretty high focus on the research and insights and also prioritizing the customer experience and making that insight driven. So that's good to see that those are priorities. I see that as helping to tame the direction on the tech in the right way for the audiences that marketers need to really delight. And a couple of examples that come to mind of who does it well. Now, again, in the current climate, it'll be interesting to see how they how they come out um, the other side. But for, for example, Disney, if you think about their resort experience where they have these magic bands, and the, i.e. the wristbands that they give out, and they were these are smart bands with RFID enablement, which meant you could use it to make payments, to manage your reservations, to access hotel rooms. But then they went a bit further and you could use it to make the, the visit a bit more personalized. And they'd, for example, send Mickey Mouse to personally greet the kids at the gate when entering the Magic Kingdom. And they had all the data to make sure that was spot on. Another example is WeChat platform that merges messaging and gaming and media sharing and payments in a really super user-centric way. Yeah, powerful examples there. And and one of the things that we've talked before is that as more is spent on the tech, you can squeeze not only the people out, but ne- but also the human aspect. And and what I mean by that mm-hmm. is the the empathy. We we've talked about how artificial intelligence could eventually be used to design marketing campaigns in the future rather than people. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. we have to appreciate allocating marketing tech budgets is complicated. Um, and there's mm-hmm. a really interesting article we refer to in a blog by a lady called Lucy Hanley. And, and she, mm-hmm. she makes the point, humans are social creatures and we thrive on empathy. And we like to think that we are logical creatures, but in truth, our emotions govern a large part of our intelligence. Um, mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. interdependencies between emotional intelligence and general intelligence. And that you can't have one without the other. And the point there, Sam, is that that's what makes us tick. We can have all the ingredients. You can try and create that artificially. But without that secret Mm -hmm. sauce that makes us human, you're going to end up with a really bland dish. Yeah, great point, Chris. I think of it as the ability to truly step into the consumer, the customer or the shopper's shoes and understand the totality of their lives, not just one point or a point in time. But how do you see it, Chris? Well, I think you've got all of the killer ingredients that can't be replicated, and that, that killer ingredient is empathy. It, it's that ability mm-hmm. to um, understand or feel what another person is experiencing within their frame of reference. Now, now that's, uh, that's uh, you know, almost a definition of it. But um, you would think that an algorithm potentially could get there, though, and, and I'm not talking about a robot dog mm-hmm. with sad eyes. Um, <laughs> you know, what, what I'm talking about is, can you create an artificial intelligence system um, where you move beyond that sort of general intelligence, where empathy will be essential? 
just like human intelligence is different from artificial intelligence, you know, you're going to need that empathy to, to, to move it on from an AI perspective. But will it really mm -hmm. work the same? Um, you know, you, you could argue, argue that is AI empathy the same as humans? Will it work in a business? Um, but ethics will be different as well. The way humans use ethics right. is related to mm -hmm. empathy and AI doesn't make that connection. Um, it's like someone trying to re recreate a replica of your meal without any of the context or the, the know-how to, uh, to carry on that analogy mm. from earlier on. Yeah, great points there, Chris. And I think for me, it's it's important to remember, and I think for you as well, that the goal is always to remain human. However, we could argue another case that actually sometimes the tech is the best way to do that. Uh, here's an example that I, I found in the research for this, a US medical company, healthcare company called Humana. They're using software called Cogito, and it's training their employees to be more compassionate. So it's helping to improve communication by analyzing vocal cues in their conversations with customers, such as the pitch or the tone and rhythm of their voice. The call center agent on the phone with the customer can see a speed speedometer icon. And we all know what that looks like if you're you know, driving a, a vehicle. It then gives an on-screen tip or two to perhaps slow down if they are speaking faster than usual. In that case, the software is actually acting as a coach. As the reality is we're human, so we get tired. We might have blind spots or biases. Maybe we don't respond well to certain accents or respond better to other voices and tones, but the, the software is helping to coach the people. And another real life experience I've noticed is that Alexa is prompting me to have a great day or enjoy pancake day. And what if Alexa could really process my tone and suggest perhaps a recipe that I love or remind me of a friend that I haven't spoken with in a while. I, it knows I'm in a bad mood and it's trying to actually t cheer me up, perhaps. That's um, probably because they've actually hired a bunch of AI personality designers recently in Seattle, according to LinkedIn, some of the work research I was doing there in a job posting. So it describes the role as crafting successful conversational voice interactions and compelling spoken prompts, writing jokes, songs, and stories. So it's actually early days for it, but they are really using humans to, to try and insert that and, and, and uplift that in their, in their program, in the interaction. I'd love to see the profiles they get for those type of jobs. That'd be really fascinating. Yeah, and, and so just imagine being a writer or a musician or someone who writes jokes. It's just interesting that you'd have to perhaps hire comedians and, and writers and journalists and not potentially traditional uh, marketing folks for that role. Uh, and another example that comes to mind, we can or perhaps empathize with, although actually they've kind of changed their policies in the current climate, but many of us actually dread calling the bank or dread trying to return a product. And I have to say my best experience I, I always have is when returning stuff to Amazon, I, I use the chat on there. On, the, on my cell phone. It's actually fun and easy. It's rewarding. It quickly identifies me, preempts what I want to do, identifies the return, tells me the refund is on its way. feels very real and very human, but no, it's a complete bot. There's nobody there. But for me, that's, a, that's empathy done right. It's in my book because it makes me feel like I'm being treated personally and, and I'm trying to connect with another person. But now you try another company or service and, 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 or a retailer and check out their chat feature and see how that works yeah good point good point um as i said in like one of the last episodes the uh 
Sky feature worked incredibly well to sort of cancel and sort of pause the um the, the Sky Sports. I, I was very very mm-hmm. impressed. But but you know we we tried to bring this back to our our day jobs and and look from a perspective of junior marketers as well as CMO and sort of thing. So what what do mm-hmm. you practically do? Well, what you do make sure is that you ensure that every role you have. You relate it back to the human mm-hmm. aspect of your business, your customers. If you're in a heavy product-focused business, your job is to make the developers feel like the audience. And and, and I really mean feel. So that empathy coming mm-hmm. through there as well. Uh, there's plenty of techniques uh, that can be used to do that, um, whether that's the straightforward in terms of creating personas or focus groups or or whatever the techniques don't matter what matters is that you bring the human aspect into your job all of the time you make sure mm-hmm. that it's not a, a number in an excel spreadsheet or a line of code you make sure that you're yep. bringing the humans into it mm-hmm. so a second thing you can do is find the human aspect in your marketing as well is it's not about transactions or subscriptions or product sales of x it's about the need you are fulfilling for your customer and, and Sam, it's, it's no coincidence mm-hmm. that some of the most successful countries, even if they're tech orientated, work hard to make sure that they connect. Um, and again, an, an interesting uh, point there is that as a species, we're always looking for something to identify with, um, whether that's entertainment, stories in the news, the people we meet, we search out traits that we recognize and respond to. Uh, and it's no secret that oversized heads that we see a lot of characters in movies or animations or even mm. on logos are are to remind us of babies and and that empathy mm. that that real strong empathy that we get with babies <laughs> and the, the other aspect is that companies are more successful and effective when they present those identifiable traits to their customers and that can be through branding um we talk a lot about whether it's the values that they stand by but interestingly, logos and that personality, that face of a company is, a, is another mm-hmm. important part where we sort of see that come to mind. Um, Sam, any of that mm-hmm. spring to mind? Yeah, for me, as I think about it, actually, there has definitely been a shift in the last few weeks or so with more leaders coming to the forefront and actually as being spokespeople for their, for their companies and for their brands and for their businesses. So I, I'll pick one that comes to mind for me is Airbnb, which is, I think, a very real example of a company that makes strides forward, but then it kind of stumbles, picks itself back up again, mm-hmm. tries to course correct. It's the transition from startup to scale up to an established brand. The nature of their business is for everyday people to open up their homes to perfect strangers, which is uh, a, a truly um, wonderful in- insight because you're not supposed to stay or talk to strangers, but actually what um, Airbnb does is encourage you to actually engage with them and engage in you know strangers' homes, so to speak, but that's because it's been opened up. But unfortunately, there are some risks to that because people unfortunately live out their biases and ferociously profile certain groups. So a few years ago, research showed that people from African-American, uh, with African-American names, were up to 16% less likely than identical guests with white names to be accepted in those establishments. And what Airbnb did is they kept it real. They admitted the mistake. They actually embraced the criticism. And they wrote a public apology letter. They acknowledged it up front that, that there's an issue. It was happening. And they were going to address it. And in 2016, they asked Laura Murphy, the former head of the American Civil Liberties Union in Washington, D.C., 
and DC Legislative Office. She for her to lead a review of every aspect of their diversity and inclusion on their platform. The CEO, Brian Chesky, who's out there front and center saying, hey, look, they were too slow to to take action. And what was good is they put into place several steps to make diversity and belonging a more prevalent component of their business. They've launched campaigns such as We Accept, hashtag We Accept, hashtag hashtag One Less Stranger to the point I made earlier. They provided toolkits for learning about bias, make it easier to flag and report bias that's going on. They've introduced a non-discrimination policy. So it's a constant effort, but they still continue to face issues that force them to step up. So recently they've had safety issues from party houses that things have gone very wrong and they've had to ban them from the platform. That then again, recently reports of scammers duping customers and how they step up to that. And now their business model is under even more pressure as they have to clean up after they've recently announced that guests would receive a full refund for the cancellation of reservations during the COVID period. But that angered many hosts because they didn't have any resources to cover it. So they've had to direct $250 million to, to the hosts following a flood of cancellations on the platform. And the number's only increasing, so stretching their cash flow and their short-term IPO potential. But that's an organization which tries to do the right thing, and it has it in its DNA, but it's constantly course-correcting and pivoting, and it's very very public. And we'll see how they go, again, in the current climate where their business is being hammered with bookings down so much. Yeah, a great example in this climate. And and I think the, the other aspect that is important there is very, very human characteristics, which is getting it wrong it's being fallible it's picking it like you say picking yourself up admitting that you didn't get that quite right and then taking steps again uh i think the other aspect why um so many successful marketing campaigns include a human personality is is to allow a brand to form a strong connection with the audience as well and the truth is people just don't connect with logos in the same way that they connect with people or or characters Mm -hmm. um and it, and it's interesting uh, again uh, just a a uh, looking at how to bring a human face into marketing campaign uh, there was a really strong quote from a guy called Pete Markey director of brand and communications and marketing at uh, a uh, Aviva which is an insurance company and and he wrote it's our job to sh- show consumers we are not faceless uh, we don't describe ourselves internally as a human brand. It's not the language we use, but we will realize as a brand, we do need to have a human face. Uh, the biggest mm. challenge for any human brand in financial services is not allowing there to be any gaps in the brand between promise and experience, um, which I think absolutely sort of sums it up uh, that you do need mm-hmm. that powerful. And of course, how do you measure it? Well, you need to keep on that brand unity by constantly measuring customer satisfaction and by following the net promoter mm-hmm. score uh, or or other devices in order to do that. Back to your point about measurement, Sam, about how do you keep yourself honest? Yeah, absolutely. All great points there, Chris. And what it, you just reminded me of, there's an opportunity here for a special shout out to Minter Dial. He's written a fab book in this space called Artificial Empathy. Again, the name's Minter, M-I-N-T-E-R, Dial, D-A-I-L. And he's got a fab podcast called Dialogue with Minter, of course. Great name for the podcast. The the book Artificial Empathy, really well worth a read. A bunch of frameworks, examples, and suggestions on how you can dig deeper in the space of empathy. So check that out because I think that's perfect for this show. Cool. Sounds good. I'll put it on my list. Yeah. So check 
Yeah, absolutely. And as I think about it, I'd like to just share another example of a, of a brand I think just did a great job of leading with a human insight to solve a real issue. Uh, the brand that comes to mind is Pampers Underjams. It's a product based on the understanding that bedwetting amongst young kids, in this case, those five to nine-year-olds, is a very embarrassing issue for kids and their mums. The, the child you know, feels isolated. They, they perhaps avoid sleepovers at their friends, and they just want to be like the other kids. And then the parents, the, the mums or father, whoever that, that parent is, they kind of feel that using those special under, underpants is regressive, a failure as a parent. And that's the, the true sort of feeling that they have so they go to great lengths to actually hide the issue they might buy extra bed liners or extra sheets so there's this terrible situation where there's a taboo on both sides and the 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 embarrassment actually meant the parents didn't even want to be seen in store with the product in their cart and so pampers decided to empower both the kid and the parent providing kid-appropriate tools and education. They could face it. There's a, they created a microsite at the time called Pampers Underjams that targeted display media to drive um, the educational information um, and make sure that people understood this is a medical issue. It's not like a, an embarrassment. It's a, like just a medical issue and how to navigate and deal with that with advice, information, videos. That kind of approach is tackling a taboo in a really, really human way and using the technology to remove the friction. So ultimately, you could actually order online and you could order through um, websites, which which was a, a very practical business driving solution, but obviously also was a practical solution for to address the embarrassment that people had of buying it and picking up in store. Yeah, great example there, Sam. Um, and, and if we think about a tech brand, which is, you know, has AI and automated processes at the heart of it and sort of, and clearly in the news of a moment, we think about Amazon and that, that rough smile, that Amazon logo has morphed a bit over the years. Uh, but but let, let's not forget about the, the, uh, the uh, logo was designed to have that from A to Z and uh, mm-hmm. trying to create that sort of roguish smile. And it's a pretty accurate expression or reflection of the expression we use when we get a package during the mail so so a great choice for that logo um for the company and and clearly part of that design process but again thinking about how tech companies bring that to life i think it is quite fascinating Mm. Um, but sam conscious time has got ahead of us again um it's amazing how quickly it goes So I think we should just bring that to a close. It's been a really fascinating session. So why don't you sum up for us? Yeah, the first point I'd make there, Chris, is that we are feeling creatures that think and not the other way around. Remember, we're feeling creatures that think, not thinking creatures that feel. Secondly, lead your business, your brand, your company with empathy. Lead it with insights and a bias to upskill people to be comfortable and be more open to unlocking and mastering and embracing the technology. And thirdly, the technology should be there to help us humans. It can help us be more compassionate it should be powered by algorithms that make us more customer and consumer centric. Good. I particularly like that last one. Uh, I think that's um, really, really powerful. And a continuation of of this uh, of a theme next week in episode thirty two, we're going to look at the growing relationship between the CIOs, chief information officers, and CMOs, and where that road goes. Uh, why it's facing headwinds, the, the conflict between them, 
and how mm -hmm. now, especially in the current time, digital transformation trends are accelerating and why it will require all hands on deck. Um, so it's going to be a powerful um, episode for this time, I think, Sam. Yeah, absolutely. A great build on what we're talking about and good to see how we could explain how the, those worlds are coming together and those, those that partnership in organizations is or isn't working out. So again, Chris, you're putting us to work. So until next time, Chris, have a great week across the pond. Well, that's it for this week's show. We hope you enjoyed it. Find more by visiting marketingtransform.com and click on the subscribe link. If you listen via Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud or anything else, then click on follow, subscribe or type Marketing Transformed into search. We're a new show, so please leave us a review, comment or ask a question. We'd love to hear from you. Get in touch at marketingtransformedshow at gmail.com.